You're listening to the Industry Alchemist podcast. The definition of alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation or creation. This podcast exists to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders doing just that in their industry. We hear about the journey of the brave souls carving a new path, moving their industry and our lives forward in a seemingly magical way. This episode is brought to you by OfficeChief.com. Office Chief exists to make moving your office easy and painless. Moving an office can be a big hassle. On top of running your company, you're thrown into having to figure out what to do. Hire space planners, furniture companies, movers, IT consultants, the list goes on. It only takes two minutes to create a profile and Office Chief gives you a step-by-step action plan and connects you with the top vendors in your market. Moving your office? Log on to officechief.com and make it easy. I'm your host, Matt Brower, co-founder and managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, helping companies save money on their real estate. I'm also founder and CEO of OfficeChief.com, an online resource for businesses moving their office or updating their space. Great. Well, uh, everyone, welcome to the uh, Industry Alchemist podcast. Uh, today, we're talking to Dave Bacon uh, with uh, uh, BW Bacon, Better With Bacon. He's a, a good friend of mine, met him through EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. He is very uh, well, very involved in uh, being a leader in the you know local entrepreneurial and business uh, economy or business world. Um, you have uh, you know some involvement in some charitable organizations as well. I want to hear about your kind of uh, interest and involvement in music. Uh, understand that you kind of have some history with that. Um, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. Um, why don't we Thanks, start? With the, yeah, why don't we start? Happy you look like you've got a, a, a transportation and supply chain degree from Syracuse, and then uh, somehow you're in technology now. What happened there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, people ask me all the time, "How'd you choose that? Where did you go?" I mean, I grew up in California. A lot, first of all, people were like, "Why'd you go to Syracuse?" Uh, for <laughs> one, my father was the dean of the school of music there many years ago. Speaking of music. And um, yeah, I really found an affinity for supply chain. Um, and if you think about it now, it's such a uh, 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 you know, point of news or it, and supply chain is a big, big thing around COVID-19 right now. Mm-hmm. Supply chain of our pharmaceuticals, of masks, of gloves, um, things like that. And yeah. back then, Syracuse was one of the first schools to actually have a degree for that. So after school, I came to Colorado, um, and I I worked for a transportation company called Nations Way for a while. It was actually really, really interesting. Uh, At the time, Denver was still a flyover city. DIA had just been built, and I really wanted to continue to pursue this supply chain interest, but... um, uh, And I could have jumped into a gazillion things in San Francisco back home, but here there wasn't as much to offer, so I got into trucking. And it was something. Um, but then the, the owner of Nations Way, Jerry McMorris, also bought the Colorado Rockies. So he took a little more of an interest in baseball than trucks. Oh, wow. And, um, and that sort of, ex- that, that sort of uh, signaled my exit. And uh, then I found myself in the technology supply chain. And, and that's been my sort of entry into tech ever since, since about 1997. Wow. You've been in uh, the tech world for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, how did you um, did you dive right into um, 
BW Bacon right when you did that? Like, what was the transition like for you? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, when I, uh, leaving the sort of trucking world um, and, and supply chain, I still wanted to be involved with supply chain. I, I, I managed to get a, a gig at a consulting firm uh, that was largely doing uh, enterprise resource planning or ERP consulting, big tech, Oracle, PeopleSoft, uh, you know, J.D. Edwards at the time. And as I grew in leadership roles there, I started a supply chain practice, which was really, really interesting. And uh, I had a great run there. I managed about 50 consultants, salespeople, and recruiters. And um, things sort of changed a bit with the company. I wanted to go a different direction. And I decided to start Better With Bacon. And the, the story there was interesting. I I, I wanted to be an independent consultant, and I decided that I had, if I could be a independent sort of hired sales gun, I knew I could go out and find big opportunities for implementations and upgrades and sell and staff them. And um, what I did is I went to the Colorado Secretary of State's website, and I wanted to call the company Macon Bacon, but the name was taken. And uh, I was pleased to find Better With Bacon was available. So I snagged the name uh, Better With Bacon Incorporated back then in November 2001. It was just a couple months after uh, 9-11 at the time. So it was, a, it was a strange time to be starting something new and, and sort of venturing out. Uh, but things really unfolded well over the next eight, nine years. And um, uh, basically, uh, I would help um, to get these big projects and, and form teams. And it was really exciting. That's great. And uh, did you try many names between uh, Macon Bacon and Better With Bacon? No, it was just my, it was my second choice. Oh my so, God. Yeah. Well, I, I bet you 95% of the listeners of this show know, uh, know that name Better With Bacon and uh, know you as well. So <laughs> that's great to hear that story. Well, it's funny because in 2009, late 2009, which is, of course, the heart of the recession, is when I rebranded the new trade name under Better With Bacon, which is BW Bacon Group. So a lot of people don't, until we sort of have this conversation, if you're, if you're one of our newer clients, they don't know what BW means. Right. And uh, now it's kind of take on a, you know, it's sort of a fun, novel thing. But I can't just go around doing business Better With Bacon everywhere. Um, right. People don't 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 get it, and they think we're actually selling bacon. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, now it's now it's taking on a different meaning. You know, like our our company. You know, we're really good at what we do. We're a technology staffing company, but we don't profess to be the best at what we do. There's always room for improvement, so we always internalize this element that it's better with us. We're not going to sit here and say it's we're the best. You know, but we're better. We're, we you know we do a really good job. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's it's a nice sort of grounding historical foundation to who we are and what we're made of and to how we think. Yeah, that's great. And I love your tagline is um, you build growing companies with uh, top technical and creative talent. Do you guys operate as a PPO or are you doing search to place tech talent or is it both? Yeah, so our, our model is uh, we provide both contract and full-time recruiting services. 
So Got about it. 75% of total revenues come from staff augmentation or contract billing. Uh, basically hourly software engineers uh, or other technology type resources that are billing on an hourly basis with clients. And, and the other uh, side of our business is uh, full-time staffing and recruitment. So, um, you know, for the past four or five years more, both sides of the business have really just been pulsating. Um, you know, we all know that the demand for technology resources and really, really top echelon uh, technical talent is just through the roof. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, in a very short period now, in less than a month, our, our entire world has changed uh, with the coronavirus. And so, too, has our economy. And thus, too, so has our business, right? Um, and it's been really, really interesting, if not energizing, um, because as many, as much as we were presented with challenges, um, there's, there's a ton of opportunities that are surfacing as well. But with that latter part of the business that I described, that very important piece of full-time recruitment, um, you know, a lot of the headcount of our clients has, has, has dwindled, uh, or in some cases, some, some, some folks are doing reductions in force or layoffs. Right. And so um, that our client base has shrunk quite a bit for the time being. Um, but contract seems to be rising already um, where people are looking to bring on people on a contract basis, particularly larger enterprises. And, uh, and then other clients, are they have a certain hiring continuity where um, despite working from home, despite outside economic forces, um, they're staying the course and they're, they're moving ahead uh, as they, uh, as they plan from the beginning of the year. So we're fortunate to have those good clients. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you're, uh, so overall you your, you know, revenues have stayed pretty consistent through this pandemic that's happening. So far, so far. Yeah. yeah and, and certainly we're grateful for that. Um, you know, and I, I say so far because there's so much that remains to be seen. There's still so much that is really early. We're, you know, really only three-ish weeks into true quarantine and work from home imperatives. And so um, a lot of things remain to be seen. Uh, you know, I, for us, you know, new businesses change. And I think that's good because like, like getting new business development is always something that's uh, for us, like we're not aggressive with new business development. Like, it has to happen naturally to begin with. And I yeah. think particularly now, there's such a heightened sensitivity to the, the sort of broad human experience we're all having already. And particularly right. when we're dealing with humans themselves, you know, there's, it's, it's changing how uh, uh, new business comes to us, I think. I think, and, and uh, it's, it's actually going to take on a lot more meaning. Uh, if what we did isn't already rewarding already, it's pretty evident that it's going to be even more rewarding because of the hand that we're going to play in helping um, companies find the right people. There's so much at stake. And for people to really find a company that is particularly meaningful for them um, with their product or the users that they support, you know, everything, everything matters just, just a little bit or maybe a lot more right now. Yeah. What a, so you, uh, you're a person, I think most people would agree that you, you always bring a lot of, energy and optimism you. to you. you know whatever situation what sort of you mentioned earlier you know you you see a lot of opportunity you see a lot of shift happening uh with all of this can you talk to some of that like what, what do you see is going to change for us 
as a society? Yeah. Well, I mean, Matt, I, I, uh, I am positive to the core, uh, and I'm relentlessly optimistic, but that doesn't mean that I am not, uh, sensitive or totally, um, totally privy, or I shouldn't say that I'm not, that, that I don't get down or doubtful like the rest of us, right? The right. seeds of yeah. doubt certainly enter in my brain and they are powerful forces. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I, uh, I had a very unique upbringing that was in the arts and in music. And um, I, I have a really grounded um, foundation in, in what I would just call beauty. Um, beauty is prevalent to me everywhere. And I see great beauty in, in even tragedy. And so I think that's probably evident when you say people think of me as really positive and optimistic and sort of an energizer bunny. It's because I just, I see a lot of beauty in everything. I could see a strawberry and just see it. Oh man, that is one beautiful looking strawberry. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, and, I, and it's true. Or just, you know, riding a skateboard with my daughter the other day. It was just beautiful. And, you know, so I, I feel beauty everywhere, on, uh, even, even in hard times. And with respect to, from a business standpoint, which is, a, you know, not to take a U-turn, but how do I look at, what are things, you know, how do I look at what's ahead of us from that standpoint? From, yeah. You know, um, it, it is challenging to speculate. That is for sure. I, I think that this, that this thing is, is so significant uh, for our world and it is causing um, so many of us to rethink what's important to us. Behaviors are going to change. You know, I read something in 2014, I think it was, that a, uh, there was a strike at the London subway. And for a certain period of time, you know, millions of people had to change their regular workday because they couldn't get on the subway. No one was there to work it. Right. It was a turned out that when everyone came back to work and they figured out whatever was up with the strike, on about 7% of people or so never changed their behavior again. I would venture that with what we're experiencing right now, where we've had such a sudden change of behavior, both in work from home or in how we collaborate, how we hire, how we plan for our business continuity, how we manage our families in the home, that we're going to see a, 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 an even more significant number than that 7%, maybe 20-ish percent or more of yeah. people who do not go back to doing the same, doing things that they used to do. And I think that that is good. I think it's because they, they, they we, we or they, fell into ways of doing things that were comfortable and found that there were other ways to do things that there were maybe simpler. And, um, I think it, 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 this has given us time. This is giving us an opportunity to take less for granted. And, um, that's what I can say. Uh, I think is that, is that, uh, behaviors are going to change significantly with how we do business, how we communicate with each other, and um, I mean, you're gonna you've got a whole new generation of, of toddlers to teenagers who are mastering web calls and web presentations, and it's gonna That's change. A great point. You know, seriously. I mean, my I've got seven year olds that are navigating uh, Macintosh computers that they didn't even have three weeks ago. They were on right. you know, their little iPads, and now they're you know navigating the web and uh, software applications and submitting work and reviewing work and those are those are really good skills the new norm wow yeah
Yeah, I didn't even, uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think that this, you can't have uh, a shift like this on a global scale and it not to have, not have some lasting impact and it doesn't have to be negative. It, you know, it could be a very positive impact, but it'll change right. our behavior for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What are you, uh, are you taking, oh, go ahead. No, you go. Um, are you taking, uh, you know, any sort of steps for your company to use this as an opportunity to reevaluate anything or make any pivots or uh, sounds like maybe you haven't needed to since the business is still flowing for you, but. Well, yeah, I mean, it's flowing just at a sort of a different rate uh, in an interesting way. You know, we had a, a nice year last year. We had 37% top line growth, which I would call solid. Awesome. Um, and, you know, at the end of the year, we set out to, to really change how we do business and to structure the company differently. You know, as it turns out, Matt, it's, it's, it's a wonderful way to grow your company and start a company by utilizing what I would call my opportunistic universe. But over time, I've come to realize that it's not a great way to scale a company. And um, for me, that means uh, putting people in positions of leadership, taking a stronger look at our process. And um, in that, uh, by doing that and adding a number of different tools and becoming more integrated with them and utilizing more data, I should say, that's how we started the year. Then the, the virus hit and you know we, we had these interruptions and adjustments of plenty. But that doesn't stop me from doing the same things that I set the course out to do this year. I don't want to, I don't, I, I can't have our business come out after this crisis doing things the same way we did before. Um, I need to position our company um, with the intentionality that we had going into this, that we're going to go and, and come out of it with that same mindset. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean that we're not sort of pivoting and changing along the way. We are an agile shop, and so we're responsive to change. Um, so we are on um, uh, uh, reinventing some of our actual services as well, doing things a little bit differently, showing more flexibility and everything from rate and fee structures, um, doing different things with how we payroll people and offer additional payroll type services to our clients, um, effectively on um, sharing some of the greater burden that everyone's having by also leaning uh, um, um, leaning on what we do by helping people and just like exposing that more. A lot of what we do, we don't get fees for. We help people all the time. You know, yeah. it's just, you can't, like I, I oftentimes find myself getting sort of sucked into helping people just because there's something so rewarding about connecting people together. I have right. to have a business that, that, that does that in, in recruiting but um, right now, it's incumbent on us to, to help move the needle on people, regardless of, of outcome or profit. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly an element of that, too. Um, but like I said, we set out to, 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 to change things, how we, how we look at the business fiscally, how we operate, how we structure uh, the company. And so we continue to have those weekly calls on it. And that's important for me to show my team that... Um, uh, what we said we're going to do, we're going to do. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. No matter, no matter the, no matter the obstacle ahead of us. Well, your uh, your mention of uh, just being helpful to people right now, perfect segue into want to talk about your just deep involvement, not only with EO and your leadership in that organization, but just in general with Denver Startup Week and 
you know, you, you've really become a leader in the business community here in Colorado Thank and I'm sure in other markets as well. What do you, um, what do you love about, you've been involved in EO about what, eight and a half, nine years? I think that's about right. Yeah, okay. that sounds right. And been, you've been involved uh, in various leadership roles over that time here in Colorado, I think globally too, right? Well, yeah, you know, the Entrepreneurs Organization, or EO, um, has really, really been transformative. It's, it's not just the people, um, because I'm, I, like, I'm all stocked up on networking. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like, people say I'm a great networker, but I can't stand networking. I can't yeah. stand it. I don't like anything that's forced. Things have to happen naturally, right? Yeah. I really believe in the good in people and serendipitous forces that bring us together like you and I. Um, but the, the, the people, like EO is really, so it's not just the people there, but the, the construct of how EO is, is, is designed and, and how we think has really changed me as, uh, as a leader. There's this element of carry your own bag with EO. And you know, as it turns out, you get out of life what you put into it. And so such as it with something like a membership like EO, you know, it's a carry your own bag type of deal. You get, you get out of it what you put into it. And when there's a, an organization with 17,000 some odd entrepreneurs all over the world in 50 plus countries who have similar uh, 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 sort of thinking, um, you can learn so much from these people if you just lean in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. and so I found myself in the opportunity to lean in and be our learning chair in Colorado, um, bringing speakers together and curating awesome events. Uh, we rented out Red Rocks one year. Had a great party there, brought the entire business and, and sort of nonprofit communities together. Well, not the entire, but, you know, it, just a bunch of communities together. Yeah. Uh, they, they all complemented each other. Um, and then I, I helped to support the regional organization to push through um, new initiatives around um, uh, events that, that supported family inclusion um, and that helped to support the organization in terms of growing its membership base. Uh, from a more diverse standpoint, too, uh, more women and uh, uh, more other minority-led businesses to help grow the, the, the membership that way. So it was really, really rewarding. Um, and at, now I'm just a regular old member, and that is nice too. It's good to just participate yeah. and be engaged. I just had a call with an EO member this morning who needed some help. I'm talking to you now, and um, you know that's one way among others that I found myself. Um, involved in this community. And it's really just, I felt like, you know, other opportunities that have happened, I, I feel like they're, they've happened naturally. Um, you know, one of the lessons that I want my kids to know is that, you know, when you have an opportunity to do something that comes from someone you trust, um, you should take a shot at it. Say yes, find yeah. out. You'll never know unless you, you know, at least explore it. And I, I, I'm a bit of a yes person in that respect. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of speaking opportunities have come that way or other types of uh, opportunities to curate events or moderate panels, join you on a podcast. It just, uh, it's just a matter of, of raising your hand saying, yeah, I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. That's great. And you're, um, how are you involved with, uh, you're quite involved with Denver Startup Week, right? Maybe Boulder Startup Week. You know, Week. that is humbling because I would say, my involvement pales, pales uh, comparatively to that of the founders, those that run the tracks and manage the uh, massive amounts of submittals. 
Um, I've had the opportunity to participate in Denver Startup Week in a number of different ways. Again, by kind of raising my hand and just saying, I'm available to help or to yep. be a loud voice on a stage or whatever you'd like, <laughs> whatever helps yep. me. I, and I mean that. And, yep. um, but, um, you know, Denver Startup Week, Boulder Startup Week, all the, these types of events have come so far from being sort of this pomp and circumstance kind of celebratory uh, thing about who we think we are in a way to where now they are so affirmatively a part of our culture. They represent like really substantive programming. They're incredible ways for people to get involved and to showcase their skills and their ideas and to curate their own events. And I mean, it was a great idea to start with. Um, with credit to Tammy and Ben and Eric. And it, it is, um, it just evolved into this programmatic kind of masterpiece that, um, you know, it's, it's a week that you, you don't want to be traveling in another city or state when Denver Startup Week is going on. Like you yeah, when it's happening. Yeah. Because you can, it's, it's you know, if, if, if we can taste the anxiety in people's voices now during coronavirus, you can literally taste the enthusiasm uh, that's that's coming from from people during Denver Startup Week. Um, yeah, right. very unusual parallel there. But there's that there's that that you know uh, collective energy that can go one way or the other, and particularly with those types of community events. Oh, it's just full throttle. And I can only imagine this year, you know, assuming that we can gather again in large groups, Denver Startup Week this year is just going to, it's going to be like one we've never had because oh my God. Be, it's going to be explosive. We're going to be all uh, pent up for that long. Yeah. And that's probably about the time that we're all going to be able to come out again. And yeah, I can't imagine what it's going to be like to, uh, when they open things back up, this is going to be the, Denver is going to be on fire. I mean, the whole country. Be. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that's great. Um, did you, uh, we'll wrap here in a couple minutes, but did you happen to catch the uh, the music bug that your dad had? Playing instruments, uh, sing? Did you, uh, yeah, yeah. So just to share with, with the audience, my father was born in 1898. Uh, I was born in 1973. So you can do the math. He was 75 years old when I was born. Um, wow. He was uh, uh, a Pulitzer Prize winning composer. Um, a world, world-class pianist um, and wrote a lot of beautiful, beautiful classical music. My mother uh, is still alive. As you can imagine, my father no longer is alive. Um, he'd be 122 um, if he was. Um, but my mother's still alive. She was 30 when she had me. They were 45 years different. She was, a, or she is, a, a lifelong musician, soprano and music teacher. And so, yeah, I had a lot of music in my family. Um, I play the piano and uh, I play a little bit of guitar. Um, I've really found my love of playing instruments um, coming back to life with my kids. Um, mm -hmm. It's become so much more important to me that they play, but it's been equally as important that I play. Like I find myself, and particularly during this virus, where I'm at home so much and also where stress is so high that if I can take a half an hour on the piano and play by myself, it is so unbelievably beautiful for my body and for my soul. And it just is like, I can screw up as much as I want on the keys, or I can just immerse myself into a Beethoven piece and, uh, and just find that, you know, 
every note is 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 the only note that could follow the one before. Yeah, um, that's just how beautiful some of that music is. So cool. otherwise, the flip side is I love hard rock. I love reggae. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the nightlife and I like to boogie. Um, yeah. So I certainly love music in, in many forms. That's great. Well, no, I wanted to make sure to get that in because uh, I had uh, known that that's kind of a passion of yours or a big part of your life. And uh, I'm not sure many people do. So I wanted to make sure to to uh, put that in. And so the folks could learn yeah. about that. Yeah. Music is, uh, uh, I hope that these days and times uh, help to provide, a, a, you know, help to really illuminate the importance of artists uh, and musicians worldwide, because it's times like this that we draw upon the beauty of art, that we find it within ourselves to be creative, where the expression of music and art is, is arguably best and most significant when the world and or, or cultures are going through um, adverse um, kind of times. And um, our artists are, are hurting significantly right now. They don't yeah. have the opportunity to perform in front of large audiences other than online. Um, and it's difficult to showcase your work when you, when you can't see it in, in face-to-face as a painter. Um, and um, I, I hope that the people find it with themselves, within themselves, not only support artists in new ways throughout and coming out of this, but also in themselves um, by, by finding what's creative within them and, and finding that importance of, of arts. Uh, because I, I think it's, it's, I think it can be one of the really beautiful things that, that comes from this, uh, these days of, of COVID-19. Yeah. Well, you've inspired me to maybe pick this guy up. Pick it up, baby. More. Yeah. <laughs> Good looking six string. Thank you. Yep. Well, Dave, this has been a fun conversation. I very much uh, appreciate you taking the time. And, and uh, I'm sure you are busy with your team working virtually and hope yeah. that success uh, or that flow continues. And um, before I forget, how can, if, if, if a listener is running a company and they may want to uh, you know, go the route of contract workers as a safer um, journey forward or, or whatever, you know, or, or permanent placement? How do they reach you? How do they learn more? Sure. Well, that's, that's super. Uh, I'm humbled. But yeah, if they want to call me, my cell phone number is 303-903-9479. Or shoot me a right. text. Yeah. yeah. And then what's your... Yeah, happy to help. I mean, sure, we can help. But I, the thing is, is, I can help people, you know, find their own path to getting those same types of people too. I mean, whether they use our services or not. But yeah. I'm certainly happy to, to help out you know, however I can. Uh, that's great. I appreciate yeah. that. And then what's your company's website? Oh, uh, it is www.bwbacon.com. Dot com. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, thanks yeah. again. Man. Great to catch up and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, Matt. Seize the day every day. Right. Thank that's you. What I say. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Beautiful. Bye-bye.